0: Hey hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man?
1: I'm good, Connie. Good, good. This should be a fun show. Haven't seen this show since we uh, did it live. So uh people sometimes don't understand that. But man, when you're working uh it's like the ratings thing. You the Wednesday night wars. And what demo did this and what who did the overall, all that crap. Uh the bottom line is uh, you know This show was, we were so busy back in those days, certainly in my world, having two jobs as a broadcaster, and as an administrator, that I didn't go back and watch these shows and maybe I should have, I didn't boycott them. I just had other things I had to do that have that had were time sensitive. So nonetheless, these shows are fun for me because it, you know, I go back and reminisce and see things I'd forgotten about and what this guy was wearing and Always a good thing. So, uh, it's a, it's always a fun trip. So we'll have fun today too. No doubt.
0: What we're doing of course is a watch along from Monday night, raw, August 20th, 2001. It's an interesting time in the WWE. As you recall, uh, we're getting going during the whole Alliance situation, the invasion situation, and, uh, it's a bit of a, a special night for stone cold, Steve Austin, and, uh, this is the Monday night Raw coming right off of SummerSlam. As a reminder, the night before, Edge defeated Lance Storm to win the Intercontinental title. Test and the Dudleys defeated the uh, Spike Dudley and the Acolytes. Uh, X-Pac pinned Jerry to win the light heavyweight title. Chris Jericho beat Rhino. Rob Van Dam beat Jeff Hardy in a ladder match to win the hardcore title. Uh, and, of course, Kane and The Undertaker won the tag titles in a steel cage match from DDP and Canyon. Uh, Kurt Angle is going to defeat... Uh, Steve Austin by DQ in a title match. And then the rock is going to pin Booker T in the main event to become the WCW world champion. What'd you think of, uh, the rock being the WCW world champion? That just, that doesn't seem like that even makes sense. Uh,
1: well, uh, it's a prop. Uh, you know, it's not, it's kind of a, it was a TV thing. So I, I didn't have any problem with it. You know, uh, uh look, rock closes the show, wins the championship he go home happy, uh, it sets up some other stories. So I was not nonplussed with it. It was odd that, you know, the, the one of these great stars in WWE was going to become a WCW champion, but it was just storyline driven, obviously. And, and again, I had no issues with it. It seemed it was odd. Yes. Connor I agree with that, but was it bad? Not
2: really.
0: No, it was just interesting to say the least. And we're going to get mm-hmm. re- ready to go on this show. We want you to watch along with us. If you haven't already. Fire up your WWE network. We want you to click the raw tab at the top, scroll down and select 2001. And then as you make your way down the page, you'll find August 20th. That's where we're going to be August 20th, 2001. It's only a 90 minute runtime. So this should be fun together. Uh, Jim, I'm ready. If you are ready, buddy, let's roll it. I'm going to give us a countdown. I'll say three, two, one play. When I say play, we'll press play. Here we go. Three, two, one play. We're off to the races with our signature open here. We'll track it a little bit. And there we go. Signature open and look who it is. Deborah and stone cold, Steve Austin. Of course he's got the big Eagle draped over his shoulder and, uh, he's coming in to, oh, a hero's welcome. How about that? All of the Alliance, the former WCW guys and the former ECW guys. Now together, you see Taz on a chair in the back. That's something you can rib him about a TV. I'm sure (laughs) this is, uh, I've always thought the invasion, I think everybody agrees was a bit of a bungled deal. And the idea that he's sort of leading the rally cry for the opposition is a little weird.
1: Yeah, it was unique, but you know, uh, the main thing that I uh, will, will agree with is that the the angle was bungled because any time uh, you cut one short, that you know you have more legs and longer legs, uh, you know that's that's a little rough to handle. And this was a good good story, uh, and it got good numbers. It was just uh, it was challenging to manage. We got a bunch of new guys in the locker room, and everybody reacts differently when we move to a new home. So, but my only concern was looking back at it. Was we could have gotten more out of it if we had, uh, you know, if, if we had uh, moved forward with it. So that's that was a little bit disappointing.
0: So you see, the guys here are all wearing Austin three sixteen shirts or or Steve Austin shirts, and they're trying to show him how much they appreciate him. And uh, of course, he's saying, "I'm going to lead by example tonight." And if Kurt Angle shows his little face here tonight, I got plenty more. So we're. Uh, we're sort of giving high fives all around that he did not lose the world title and, uh, the, the troops are excited to see him. So it's a little hokey, a little, a little corny, but, uh, Monday night raw, here we go, man. It's Steve Austin appreciation night from the Alliance. And look at this open with all the hall of famers. It's one after another. And I have a feeling somebody on this same show signed almost all of these folks.
1: How about that? You know, Blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then Conrad, I got lucky a few times, no doubt about that, but our team, our talent relations team, uh, did the work and, uh, of course, there's the traditional show open, the big pyro fans, uh, Pat pack, is packed. Where, where were we the show? Do you know?
0: Yeah, we were uh, in Sacramento and, uh, oh yeah, Mel- yeah, that's right. Meltzer wrote, um, all I can say about Raw from Sacramento is that I'm glad I wasn't there live, and I'm even gladder I didn't pay for this. But of course, Monday Night Raw is free.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, bless his heart. You know, the people that were there that filled that house seemed to be having a good time.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: And look at the crowd crowd shots packed. Absolutely packed. As McMahon soon would say, the. SRO sounds, signs went out early as we billboard Austin appreciation night tonight, that's always an interesting hook because you know, uh, shit's going to happen. He's not gonna get a gold watch or a pony. They're going to be doing something chaotic.
0: How about DDP here? And there you see, as you remember the infamous stalker angle, the undertaker's former wife and DDP was stalking her and here's a live look at WWF, New York and Times square boy, was there a bigger money pit for Vince in this era than that restaurant?
1: Unfortunately, no. Uh, but it, but it could have been much different. You know, the, the fact that, the the guy was that ran it was embezzling money. Uh, didn't help the thing. So look, Lita's limping toward the ring. She's with Jackie, Miss Jackie. So underrated and, uh. And Molly, Holly, Molly's a hell of a hand boy. Molly really helped a lot of these diva like talents, uh, with their entering abilities.
0: And here you see the former WCW talent, Stacey Keebler confronting her the prior night on Sunday night. Heat, and that's going to set up our opening match. And well, there's a lot of uh, beautiful women here, but the wrestling is not exactly what we're used to these days from the women's division. We've got Lita, Jackie and Molly on one side, they're going to be taking on Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler. And Ivory. Uh and, and a lot of these folks, well, specifically, Stacey Keebler and Tory Wilson didn't get into the wrestling business to become in ring competitors, but they find themselves here becoming wrestlers. And that wasn't always the case in WCW, but it felt like eventually with Vince, he always felt like, Well, in order for us to get a return, you're gonna have to learn how to do this inside the ropes, right?
1: Learn to do learn to do a few things. Learn to protect yourself. Learn to take a flat back bump. You ain't got to be Dory jr. Again, or Jack Briscoe, just learn to protect yourself. And while you're doing it, you will be protecting your adversary. Uh, and, and a lot of them still have, they had great, bo- great athletic bodies. Uh, they worked out all these ladies worked out. Of course, you see uh, ivory leading the way with Stacy Keever, very, what a baby face she was. And, and Tori Wilson, one of the hottest women to ever compete in WWE without question, in my view. But the baby faces on the other side, uh, led by Lita and Molly Holly. There, there's a lot of skill in that, in that corner without a doubt. Jackie Moore, my God. So, uh, a good representation of the women's aspect of that, uh, of raw at that point in time, WWE, we, we had, a, we did a good job. I think of, uh, you know, Dean Malenko helped me sign Molly Holly. I remember he brought her to a TV and I'm sitting down with her and talk with her. I said, she can't be this nice. And she was and highly skilled as well. The thing about these, these women that that came in as wrestlers, the, the Ivories, the Molly Hollies, Jackie Moore, and even, and even Lita, uh, because w- w- it was just a matter of, they were willing to, to get out of their comfort zone, the experienced talents were willing to get out of the comfort zone so they could coach basically coach up. And then, uh. And then they can never see a tag. Ivory wanted to make a tag. Jackie Morgan's tagged in Ivory's uh, Irish partner said, no, oh, not right now. But the thing about it is that these women made a lot of sacrifices and, uh, they just, they, they check their egos at the door. So I've always, i uh, proud of that, but this is a good representation of, of what you see today on WWE. Uh, they probably got a hundred women signed. I'm guessing, but if I bet you it's close to a hundred women. And the whole movement of athletic tens started right here in this match you're seeing right now.
0: Meltzer would write about this match. He says when Keebler wears long pants, it totally negates whatever value she has. Even in shorts, she has no value being in a wrestling match. She and Wilson were awful. Yes. They haven't been trained, but raw is not the place to be at stage one of your training. The night before they pushed, there would be a WCW referee, but I guess they changed their mind. Lita was limping to sell the injury from the previous night. Ivory was in most of the way, and it wasn't bad when she was in. So it's a little unfair probably to have Keebler and Wilson out here trying to figure it out in front of everyone. But you know, they knew that these
1: Conrad, it happens every goddamn week on somebody's TV show. Yeah, this is not an, this is not an anomaly. You know, I I respect Dave Melster immensely, but bullshit. Here's what you got. You don't overanalyze and uh, and overstate the obvious. We knew that Torrey Wilson and Stacey Keever were not ready to wrestle, but that's what the boss wanted. Those were the plays that were called, and whether we all like it or not, it don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. That's what he wanted, and that's what we gave them. And I admire the women for, for, again, getting out of their comfort zone, uh, taking a chance, reinventing themselves a little bit. Uh, and going where they had not gone before. So, you know, I, I, it, this some of that stuff is so fucking overanalyzed. It's not even funny. God Almighty. Well, they weren't ready. You know, uh, uh, Shibuya Kakahaka and uh, in all Japan in 1989. Now you should have seen that match. Well, it ain't fucking 1989. Okay. And I can't understand a word she says. How about that? So, uh, and 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 look, this match I'm sure got a good rating. Don't know, but I better got a good rating. There's a lot of star power there. And they did what they could do within the confines of their skill set. Simple as that. Don't overanalyze this shit, folks. Come on.
0: Well, it's also worth mentioning, you know, I don't think old school, more traditional quote unquote bookers like you see Jackie gets the pen. When when Dusty Rhodes was putting together a card, I don't think he was thinking every match needed to be a, a show stealer, a barn burner, a five star You affair. can't be.
1: Yeah, right. It's, impo- it's impossible. There's no, you can combine all the brains of Eddie Graham and Bill Watts and every, Dusty Rhodes and everybody else. And Vince McMahon, you can't make uh you can't make that happen. You just try to stay within the confines of what the skill set will allow. And we know what this is up next. The rock <clears throat> instead of opening the show, the, the women open the show, reminiscent of some of the shows today, especially at NXT, but the rock is next and I go to a backstage with uh, the Dudleys and the uh, test.
0: I think what we're about to see as uh, Stephanie and test sort of make up and test is going to agree to take out Chris Jericho here. And then we're going to get, uh, uh, an interview from the rock, which is a big deal, obviously in this era, in any era, if the rocks on the mic, it's going to be big biz.
1: Yes. <clears throat> that's good. Booking there because that's a layup that's that's, uh, you know, it's like we did the show in Sable a couple of weeks ago. It, she was so over at that point in time that you just want to get her on television. So just her appearance, uh, m- made for good ratings as a rule. So, uh, and then this is really the, we're really getting waist deep in the sports entertainment, the entertainment side of, of WWE with these soap opera like angles and the weddings and all those things. So, and that was the, Vince's goal was to just make his show, a variety show and try to mirror many of that day's images and trends. Stephanie was a great heel, by the way.
0: Yeah. She really came into her own pretty quickly as a television character. Was, was there any hesitation uh, inside the office about putting his kids on TV? Like, were you nervous? Like, oh man, I don't know how this is going to go or did you know, well, She's got a little bit of the old man in her. She'll be just fine.
1: She's got a lot of the old man in her, and I had no issues whatsoever because she worked very diligently to improve, uh, and because she had a major name to carry. You know, uh, she was more like Vince, and Shane was like Vince, in my view, and Vince has even said that to me. But she became a great heel and just followed in the footsteps of her old man who was the hottest heel we had in the Attitude Era.
0: Look at this reaction right here! Huge pop for the Rock. You know, the rock is arguably the biggest star in the biz at this point. You know, he's fresh off of a WrestleMania main event with uh, himself and stone cold, and there's sort of one a and one two here in 2000 or one B easy for me to say, uh, here in 2001, you know, he's coming off a year where he sort of had to carry the company, him and mankind. And of course, triple H in 2000, because, uh, unfortunately Austin was on the sidelines and now that Austin's back. Well, the rock has gained a lot of ground and look at the flashbulbs go.
1: Everybody's standing to get a better look at the great one. He's just, so he was just a natural. I mean, what made rock great last well, Dave Meltzer. He can give you an explanation. You know, was he green when he first started? Yeah. Kinda, you know, the, the, the issue he had every, he had every tool in the toolbox that you needed to have to be a star. He had reliability, he had aptitude, intellect, and he was a physical marvel. And he was a third generation talent who used to sit around the table and talk wrestling instead of talking Little League.
0: Yeah, that's something that I don't think we probably give enough credit to. But when you literally grow up around the business, you can't help but pick up some stuff from just hanging out with dad, right?
1: Yeah, nuances the nuances come come better.
0: The old catchphrases. I mean, the rock had so many, and you see that people have signs for them. Finally, the rocks come back to Sacramento, you know, it's, uh, it's a new era of the wrestling promo. And I think when you go back and you look at the all time greats on the microphone, I don't know where the rock winds up, but he's certainly top five. He's certainly on the Mount Rushmore. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh God. Yeah. <clears throat> and it and rock was, it, will be on the Mount Rushmore of any phase of professional wrestling, uh, the greatest in ring, the greatest personality, promos, you know, we were very, very lucky to get him. And, uh, you know, I love that story where he wanted to buy the lunch. and we had our recruiting meeting and he said, I'd love to buy lunch, but only got seven bucks to my name, which is the name now of his uh, very productive and successful production company, seven bucks entertainment. He doesn't forget where he came from, even today when he could, because he's making a, you know, a truckload of money, uh, one of the top two or three earners in Hollywood. And he's got all these projects ongoing. He's got his own production company that's successful. They got a long-term deal with NBC universal, which is funny because his, his, uh, his show on Monday nights goes head to head against raw Yeah, and that's the U S that's USA's doing. I'm sure that didn't make Vince overwhelmingly happy.
0: Meltzer. Um, Meltzer would say that this, this segment sucked. He says, uh, this was like being a kid and watching your snowman melt before your eyes in spring. Well, maybe not. Maybe it was more like Ric Flair trying to put over Eric Bischoff. No, it wasn't that either, but he didn't like this segment and we're going to see some entertainment, some sports entertainment, some funny ha ha. Uh, And I don't know if you remember what's coming here, Jim, but I think you're going to laugh when you see it. And by the way, that is a cast copy of the old WCW world title. The original one that uh, Flair wore back in 1986 for the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions. They had a guy down in Atlanta named Andre Freitas at AFX studios, cast it and make a couple of copies. And this is one of those. You can only tell because it's a full gold tone, whereas the original that you used to see on TBS was like a two-tone it was uh nickel and or silver rather and gold and uh i like that the wwf sort of picked it up where it left off and and brought back that belt it's one of the more classic designs wouldn't you agree
1: yeah it's a very uh significant you can't mistake it Man, you got this belt thing down you and jay-z flair the the resident belt experts that i know
0: well we collect them and
1: uh, yeah that's what i'm saying I, i i admire that you got a knowledge of it
0: And check this out. Here comes Booker T or is it We're playing Booker T's music, but Oh, a little Booker T
1: mini Booker. (laughs) Well, this is, Hey, look, this, uh, humor is a funny thing. Humor can turn you off. Humor can make you laugh. It can make you roll your eyes. It depends on how it's executed and, and where it's positioned, how it's produced. So, uh. That was the idea here. And look, the, the thing about rock did not do this segment, uh, because he had to, he signed off on this. He wanted to interact in this way to add some humor and some depth to what he's doing. Well, and but I'm you know, so I, I don't disagree with Melster's opinion because that's stupid. That's what a lot of, uh, a lot of wrestling fans do. You, you disagree with someone's opinion, which is really when you stop and think about that and you take them to task for it. It's a difference in disagreeing than disagreeing and burying somebody because you're a dumbass or you're this or that. That to me is a big turnoff. And there's a lot, there's too much of that in our business right now, especially on social media where everybody's a stud.
2: What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal, Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit justcapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Everybody's uh, listening to
0: you. Listen, I actually like the, the idea of, of doing a segment like this. And this is a little reminiscent, I guess, of when Shawn Michaels brought out miniature Bret Hart four or five years before this, but I actually think that in a weird way, this gives a little more oomph to Booker T I mean, clearly you're going to be working with the rock, but in this era, I mean, and that's a big deal, but in this era, the rock, he, he had jokes for everybody. You know, whether it was Kane and rolling his eyes back in his head and saying, die, die, die for the undertaker, or, I mean, he had a little catchphrase or a little dig for everybody. So here's his version for Booker T. I don't know. It just seems par for course for the rock.
1: Yeah. Me too. <clears throat> Again, we don't overanalyze this stuff. We shouldn't, uh, it was just, there's two phases of what we were doing in our company at that point in time, we were doing some wrestling we should have been doing more as many of us would say, but we also are adding a help, a healthy, helping, uh, the entertainment context, a uh, content, uh, and at least the attempt thereof, it didn't, and it, that wasn't the music. Everybody wanted to dance to, I get it, but there was a reason for this and it's a good way because the night before rock beat Booker T
0: that's exactly right. And they want to find a way to keep it going. And this keeps there that goes. going. And we should also mention too, and I know this is something that, you know, is a little weird maybe to talk about in 2020, but once upon a time, little people were a big deal in wrestling. I mean, there used to be old timey uh, wrestling cards and posters stapled all over town that would list a few matches. And then it would say, you know, plus, uh, two girls matches and midgets. And obviously we don't advertise it like that anymore. And it's not the business has changed. And so is society and that's all great stuff, but we're not that far removed from it here. And. Vince McMahon probably likes uh the idea of having little people featured on the program because it is a bit of a throwback. Would would that, yeah. would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, it's fair to say. It, they're attraction guys. We talk about attractions uh all the time on the show, and some people understand what I mean by it. You know, like I said the other day on one of our programs, Andre the Giant was an attraction. Andre the Giant was not a baseball parlance, an everyday player. He was an attraction. When the, in the territory days, when people, the, the, uh, vertically challenged would come through, they were attractions. You know, they weren't involved in main event programs. They were attractions, maybe the match you had before intermission or something along those lines or the match right after intermission. So, uh, there were attractions and so was Mula's troop, her girls, same thing. So that's what you get, you know, and you got to understand attractions are a little different ball game and. And here comes one of the more underrated talents ever Lance storm, Lance Evers. If I could be serious for a minute, Conrad, what a great performer
0: he, he was. I don't think he ever had a bad match. He's like, uh, Shelton Benjamin in that regard for me, those guys, I feel like I could watch wrestle all day long and Meltzer would recap this segment here saying he brought out a midget dressed up like Booker T rocked at a bunch of comedy and no one laughed segment never ended. Nothing worse than a superstar doing comedy and getting no reaction. Storm came out and said, it wasn't funny. That made it worse since he was right. And it set up a match for later in the show, but it didn't seem like the crowd cared storm then gave many Booker a kick, which I guess we'll see in a moment. But here's the thing, even though maybe we don't love the segment or the execution, or it falls a little flat, we still need to have this turn into something and having a match set up from this segment. Is the only way to end it.
1: Yeah, you get so, you get. A, there's a payoff, in other words. Yeah, it's just not flat jokes uh, falling on uh, deaf ears. It is. Uh, it is a another step to a match, which is what all these entertainment-like segments are intended to do: take you to another match. Sometimes folks like that presentation, that that journey, that routing that we take. Some some didn't. You got bottom bad. line was the show was very successful, uh, in that era. And to do what we were doing without stone cold, who's uh, back here now tonight, which you want to talk about a pop, yeah. uh, you know, but it was, uh, we, we were, we weren't full speed. We weren't full strength when you lose your, your star quarterback, so to speak.
0: It's worth mentioning that you're on commentary here with Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. I think that's always been an underrated duo. I don't know how you felt about it, but I really liked the pairing. It felt like he got under your skin and knew how to needle you. And both of you guys being on edge and at each other was a, was a fun dynamic as a viewer at home. How fun was it to be in that chair? Knowing Paul Heyman sitting to your right.
1: Uh, it was fun. You know, I'd worked with Paul, uh, years before that, you know, I, I salvaged Paul's career on more than one occasion. To be honest with you, you know, uh, he didn't, he was so. Uh, polarizing in WCW that the booking committee wanted to get rid of his ass. And I've always thought that one of the reasons is because Heyman was might've been just a little bit smarter than some of them. As far as booking Ackerman and things of that nature, but nonetheless, nobody wanted to work with him. That's when I took him as my, I said, well, I'll work with him. He'll be my partner. And I had enough clout at that time to name who my partner was going to be in WCW. I did for quite some time. So, but, uh, I thought he did a great job and you know, I enjoyed working with Paul, you know, WrestleMania 17 was. One of my better, uh, memories and, uh, as a performer, as an announcer. So, and Paul was, uh, one of the catalysts in that whole process, but he's Heyman's a very talented guy. He came he, has to be managed. He, he, uh, you know, in a booking world, he doesn't work well on a committee or things like that. He never did. He never will. He needs autonomy, uh, and he needs to be able to have an open checkbook, so to speak, and what he wants to write because of his vision. There's a super kick from storm to the the little guy, which makes storm give storm a little bit of heat and, and the uh, rock sold it well, but Heyman's a, a unique dude and, and the announcing side. you look, when we first started announcing together. He would say, okay, feed me this line and I'll say this, right? I said, I don't do that shit. Paul, that ain't me. This ain't a goddamn com- comedy act. I ain't doing it. I said. If I know what you're wanting to get in, and we talk about it, I'll get you. I'll get you there. But it just sounds so contrived and so disingenuous. Why did you, hey Paul? Why the chicken cross the road? You know, boom. That's okay. Take it easy. So now we're back from commercial break at the Arco Arena, the home of the Sac- Sacramento Kings. There's a last night. Last night, side. here we go. A little highlight. Explain to everybody.
0: This is a different era, obviously now, but this is the pay per view era. And you're saying, uh, last night, courtesy of the encore, the idea being you would show these first run pay-per-views live on Sunday, but then you guys would run sort of clips and promos and a lot of times still shots to peak interest. And then you would have a replay air on pay-per-view on Tuesday. And that was a, a bit of a hangover Bob. maybe you weren't sold on it. Maybe you were traveling. Maybe the circumstance just didn't allow you to be in front of your TV, but you could still order the pay-per-view the next day. And obviously. It's not going to get near the number of buys that the first run does, but it still had value because you continue to run those encore presentations, right?
1: Yeah, nice promotional teasers. And uh, again, everybody can't watch it at the same time. As you mentioned, something as simple as traveling uh, could interfere with that. So uh, this is going to be a massive cluster here. There's more bodies in there. Uh, this is a good illustration because I never could quite figure everything out, uh, in, even in today, thinking back on it, uh, of the disorganization and the lack of booking symmetry, uh, that we had, uh, or didn't have involving this angle. It probably, the invasion angle was probably, uh, the most under, uh, underproductive, uh, TV angle with that we did to have that much potential
0: underwhelming. Yeah, I agree. Totally. The, the idea is this is a dream scenario that was really, uh, I don't know, cultivated by the old after mags for years and years, you'd pick up one of those magazines at the grocery store and it would have these fantasy matchups on the front. Hey, what would happen if Shawn Michaels wrestled the giant? What would happen if sting wrestled the undertaker? What would happen if Hulk Hogan wrestled Ric Flair? And now we finally get the two companies working together here under one banner, thanks to the buyout. And It can become a reality, but unfortunately a lot of those top stars are still under those guaranteed contracts from Turner and they're getting paid to sit home. So they're not really apt to take a pay cut and go to work. And I don't, I don't say that I blame them. And I know a lot of our listeners probably take issue with that and think, oh, well, if you love wrestling, then you should have went in there and done that. But the reality is if I get paid more to sit at home, who picks anything else, Jim?
1: No, nobody that's got a brain. Uh, it also allows your body to heal. You also have to think about those guys who are getting those big checks for mailbox money, which is my favorite kind. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they were not getting any younger. So they, they, their bodies, I say that, well, that means they should have come back because they're losing time. There's one, that's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is, uh, the fact that their bodies needed healing. And you you get better, you feel better. You know, you you just get your health gets, gets better. You're you're over a lot of those little nagging issues, but we were never forgiven by this. And it was pointed out time and time again, every newsletter, well, you know, they don't have the real, the whole, the whole team there, blah, blah, blah. And well, you know we knew that God damn. That's not a revelation, but what are you going to do? You're going to drag, uh, uh, the, the NWO out of their homes, kicking and screaming. Uh, and, and forsake those massive checks they got every single week from Time Warner. Hell no, there's no motivation there they they were ready. they liked the, i 'm like you conrad i don 't blame those guys one bit, not one not one bit and but it was a situation where you hoped that some of these guys that we did bring in somebody might break through, somebody might break out, and quite honestly, uh, that really never happened.
0: Let's, uh, let's recap to everybody who's listening at home and maybe not watching exactly what's happening in the ring right now. We've got Scotty to teaming up with APA, Billy Gunn, big show, and spike Dudley. That's going to be team WWF. And they're taking on members of the Alliance here. So we've got Bubba Ray and Devon. We've got Hugh Morris. We've got Tommy dreamer. we have got Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare Meltzer would say rook looked like he was trying to break Palumbo's jaw with a clothesline. Do you realize if the reverse would have ever happened, everyone would be saying how Palumbo doesn't know how to work, but if Farouk does it, he's just teaching him a lesson match was a lot better than expected as everyone got to do their finisher and have it broken up until show pin dreamer with a choke slam. What do you make of Meltzer saying, Hey, there's a double standard between WWF guys and WCW guys.
1: Uh, overstated. The guys are all in the same locker room. They were friends by and large. Uh Ron works snug, which I love him for. It's just another under conspiracy horse shit that makes people click or makes people read or makes people talk. You know, there was no overt animosity. Now here's the deal. Melzer could have been getting calls from these guys and they make up a story or they embellish a story. So he could say, Well, I have no good authority that this is what's going on. No, you have no good authority what one guy's opinion is of what's going on. You're not there. And you know, I I was in in charge of talent relations when this whole thing went about all these guys had no issues because talking to me about issues or problems or me, it's cash or creative anyway, you know what they're going to talk about. They're predictable as hell. So the giant gets the hot tag, big Paul white and, uh, he was in a, he, he is a, at a manageable weight right there. He looked, he looked pretty damn good. Big, the big boy did. And then Bradshaw scores with a massive clothesline. So was that a shoot? Were they sending a message? Was it a payback? Oh, come on. God, I want to puke. So they got the nice comeback going on. You got a lot of ECW representation that Heyman, I'm sure let was loving because you got the Dudley's just give a three D to a little spike Dudley. So, uh, it, it the, the comeback in the end here was good. The crowd was having fun, but we, but nobody in that match was major over. So who get, who gets the blame? Somebody's going to be blamed for that contract because it's wrestling. Somebody's going to be blamed for that. As Big Bill DeMott, my fullback on my team, uh, just missed a moonsault. Of course, you got to get the worm in right. Scotty wearing a T-shirt and a zoo boss, the uh, attire of the day whatever happened to zoo bars are they still in business
0: yeah i think so i uh i know they've been trying to make a comeback in more recent years and some of my friends have some of their silly stuff and uh and really like it but it was a big part of the biz once upon a time man look at that choke slam! my goodness big show has so much power
1: nice big choke slam, tommy dreamer honored to take the pinfall as a as kind of a badge of courage so, uh, the guy that got over, if uh, you want to say over in this particular presentation was a big show. He, he was, he was booked to have the big comeback and he was booked to have the chokeslam win. So, uh, team Once they,
0: again, team WWF victorious.
1: Yep. What a, what a vagabond group that, that, that they're in the ring. Now acolytes are big too. You know, they, they're underrated as far as the team's concerned in my book. They're what you look for. They're going to be at work on time. They're going to bust their ass. They're going to lay their shit in.
0: Here's a Little. Helms tribute here. Easy. For years, the Green Lantern was my number one, my number one superhero. I loved everything he did. I mean, because you know why? Because he was the best. He beat everybody. He beat Sinestro. Easy. He beat Doctor Polaris, Solomon Grundy, the Star Sapphire. <laughs> it's uh, it's unbelievable that they've given him time here to just put over the Green Lantern. Uh, but you know, this is a big part of, of what he's going to become as we know, because we know he's going to become a superhero of his own, the hurricane. I got to tell you, I think that's one of the more sort of fun gimmicks that you could have in wrestling because it's going to appeal to, you know, old school comic book fans, but kids around the world as well. And here he comes, Le Champion. Uh, looking svelte as ever here. Chris Jericho looks like a million bucks here. Does he not
1: got some, uh, you got a six-pack. I had a six-pack last night, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that uh, the
0: network leaves these commercials in right now. We're seeing a Kane chef boy, RD promo.
1: Well, you know how that works. They it's inside the segment. So it's not in a commercial break. It's a right. part of the segment. And so, uh, uh, and that's what you get right there for bigger appetites. Big beef a
0: Well, that would work for me and you. I'm just saying, think about the value that Chef boy RD and their brand got that you know, here we are talking about it 19 years later, because it was a part of the show and there you see the undertaker's wife who has, uh,
1: at, e- at that time, at that time, we're not, we're not talking about Michelle McCool folks,
0: no, we're talking about Sarah and, yeah. and, and she is going to be uh, the victim of some DDP stalking. And I think it's going to come to a head tonight in an unbelievable segment. And here comes Y two J himself. Jericho here has at this point, not yet main event at a WrestleMania. And I don't know that anybody would have even called it here, but later this same year in the same night, he's going to beat the rock and stone cold to bring together the WWF world title and the WCW world title. He's going to become the undisputed champion. And, uh, he's of course going to be in a main event against triple H the following year. Uh, at WrestleMania, he's really coming into his own here, but it didn't look like it was going to start that way or finish that way based on the start. Right. I mean, he had a bit of a, a stop and start run here, and then he got this momentum going in late 2001 and carried it to the main event of WrestleMania.
1: Yeah. And he's still the MVP in my view of AEW today. You know, Chris is a very creative. Uh, I, I like working with him a lot as a broadcaster and uh, apparently a lot of folks do as well. Uh, like that, uh, Jr and Jericho combination. So anytime he can set the desk with uh, Shivani and Excalibur and I, I think it's a good thing. I know it's a four man booth. It's a little bit of a, uh, cluster at times, but if everybody understands the role and listens to each other, that's a key thing about it. That announcers, sometimes people forget about, you have to listen to your partners and listen to the ambiance of the house. And of course, with empty the arena, there's not a lot of ambiance. So listening to your partners and being able to connect the dots. If I called on is very, is imperative for a broadcaster. Listening is a great skill for any broadcaster listening.
0: And we see uh, Jericho here doing a promo mid ring. (coughs)
1: Um, we had a lot of talk in this show so far.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the idea in this era. Is it not like, you know, I guess I I think it feels like everybody has sort of um, position themselves where you got to do. You got to tell the story and then have the match. And here comes the match. Of course, this is the era where Jericho was out here just trashing Stephanie, calling her a trash, bag, trash bag hoe and all that. Yeah,
1: that was some uh, amazing verbiage that was uh, approved by the boss. I'm not. I don't know who wrote that. Probably Brian Gwerts may have written that. He's very talented.
0: Y'all got any trash bag hoes over there in Oklahoma?
1: No, we send them all to Texas.
0: I've I've never even heard of a trash bag hoe. That's a new thing.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, neither I don't have a clue.
0: My mom does a lot of gardening, and she has a hoe that she uses. But I don't know why you would need a trash bag involved in that gardening process. Oh,
1: look, just the leaves.
0: Oh, just the there leaves. You go, uh, the leaves. That makes sense. I guess. Yeah. By the way, folks, next week, we're going to be back at you again with another grill JR, and this time we'll be covering SummerSlam 2000, and I'm pretty excited about that. We've uh, ran down the card before, but it's one of the better shows you guys ever did, at least from your perspective, and you did it without Stone Cold Steve Austin, and when you're Sands, your biggest star, you would think that would be a cause for concern, but man, you hit it in all cylinders, so join us next week, SummerSlam 2000. Of course, you get all these shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. And you also get a bonus show, uh, earlier this month, we saw sting and the ultimate warrior team up in almost their rookie year in mid South. And of course we know it's not going to last very long and they go their separate ways, but it was fun to go back and watch that with a very young Jim Ross and hear that. Oh, he filmed that in a shed behind Bill Watts, house. Great stuff. We're going to keep that theme going and go visit smoky mountain night of the legends from 1994. And if you're not familiar with smoky mountain, you're going to have a blast watching that together with Jr. Aren't they, Jim?
1: Yeah, it's a good show. Uh, that was a, a Jim Cornette booked the hell of a card, had a big house in Knoxville. Uh, he brought a lot of talent in. I worked that show with uh, the great Les Thatcher. So, uh, it was fun. Uh, as this match is, you know, Stephanie showed good timing there. She was where she needed to be when she needed to be there to get the distraction and the trip on Jericho, who she had major issues with. She was going to end up uh, trying to marry a test. So you got two Canadians in there uh, battling it out, and now uh, Jericho has his hands around Stephanie's neck. But of all things, here comes Rhino. Rhino ran for political office in Michigan here a couple years ago. It seems like, but a good hand, he was another guy was kind of underrated.
0: Yeah. He's uh, still working in the biz still with impact. They had that, uh, impact big. Oh, there it is. I think that's going to get it done. Giant boot from test.
1: Is that a Claymore kick (laughs) (laughs) another word for a big kick in the face. So Stephanie's outside interference. distracting Jericho test takes advantage. I hit him hit Jericho with that one b- great big shot. And, uh, so test wins with Stephanie's help and the happy couple.
0: Heavy on story. Oh. I mean, if you, if you said, you know, in a vacuum, Hey man, we're going to have Test beat Chris Jericho in two minutes and 33 seconds. You'd say, wait a minute, what? But the way they yeah. did it with the story, it wasn't that bad.
1: No, it worked out. It worked. It forwarded the issue involving Stephanie. And, uh, and, in Jericho and all the ancillary parts in between Tess had a lot of, uh, upside, a lot of ability. He was his own worst enemy. God bless him. I saw him after he left WWE and he's nobody was home, man.
0: That's a shame.
1: Yeah. And nobody here, was home.
0: Here's another one of those promos. We were talking about the still inside the program, the old JVC. Look at that boom box. Can you imagine these days? That would be like, uh, that's probably worth some money now. That's a, that's an antique.
1: (laughs) So here we go back to the JVC, uh, little, little highlight thing here. Lance storm edge. This is where edge beat storm for the, uh, what was it? The intercontinental title or something like that.
0: So next up we've got a Sean Stasiak promo. Oh no. First (laughs) we're going to hear from edge. Check him out here with his new Intercontinental, and there's uh, there's Christian. We'll track it here.
2: It's the greatest tag team champions in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. First, wrestling we Federation, won the King of the Ring. The first, then, last night at Ring. We won, then last night at SummerSlam, we won the Intercontinental Championship. And tonight, I'm gonna win singles gold when I beat that jump state Matt Hardy and become the European champion. Alright. Good luck, man. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, get some sodas on ice. i back in a little bit. Okay. I mean, I almost battled senior media trophies him dead tiger Whoa. So, a Steve Austin what he means to me is a lot I mean he's the leader of the alliance he's the world wrestling federation champion I mean he inspires me I mean people thought before Steve Austin uh, sorry let's do that again before I was inspired by Steve Austin well I was people thought can I go now you know for Sean Stasiak it's don't uh Take 23. It's Austin Appreciation Night every night because Stevens is ugh. Take 32. You no, know, for Sean Stasiak, it's don't, uh, yeah, you know, I can't even start this. Take 41. Don't say the number. I've lost count. Beautiful. And for those who doubted me,
0: well, uh. Nah. I tried my words around there. It's only a matter of time that
2: Sean Stasiak makes his mark. Thank you, Steve.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, now, now that we've survived that. Wow. Well, in downtown, <laughs> New York City. Now that we survived that. <laughs>
0: well, I like it. Jr. tracking it for us. And there's the commissioner, Mick Foley. No, he's not at the show. He's at WWF New York. And you see the fans going wild behind him.
1: Yeah, and the irony of this is he's, Im- he's, he's, Pretending he's eating a salad. <laughs> Come on, Mickey. Yeah, the chicken. This is Foley's baby boy. He's got some wings there, I'm sure, someplace. Some protein. That's what all the boys say. I had a lot of protein last night. What'd you have? Oh, fried chicken.
0: Uh, Meltzer Word, right. Stasiak did an interview about Austin that took a million takes. Foley was in WWF New York. This is sad and serious. In this business, you're either in or out and in between is Purgatory, and that's where Foley is. He and WWF should either come up with a program and storyline that will make him a regular TV character, which is fine, since he's one of the most entertaining characters around, or he should be kept off TV, except if there's a situation that calls for him to have impact. I hate to say this, but his constantly being on without any story or any reason for there to be there comes across like a guy who graduated high school who just keeps going back. If it was once every few months, it's really cool. But when it's every few weeks and he has no story and it seems like he doesn't belong, it's anything, but believe me, this was ripe for bad analogies. What do you think of the criticism that, Hey, there's too much Foley. If he's not going to do anything.
1: Uh, you know, it's an opinion Conrad. Do I agree with it? No, I'm not going to cut a promo on Meltzer because I don't agree with his opinion, but I don't, I don't in theory. He covers a lot of ground there conceptually, so in theory he's ab- he's absolutely right. But did I think that that was the case in, in Mick at this point in time? Not really. I think it overstated in my view, over 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 described. As uh, here comes Lance Storm. Boy, Lance is always in great shape. When he had his school open in uh, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, uh, it was one of the best schools out there. Then he got that job as a producer, road agent, whatever, with WWE, and and then the, do the, all the other the cutbacks and stuff. He got uh, furloughed, I guess is what you say, or I don't know what how the word you're going to use. but he or he is Lance is no longer working for WWE. This is at the top of the hour, so that hour went by pretty quickly, and this is the top of the hour of a two-hour show, and of course at the top of the hour when people are flipping around after their previous show they are watching. Uh, here comes the rock and, uh, this is for this is for the WCW title. And this, there's no reason this match shouldn't uh, be really uh, entertaining. We got the fast start with the uh, Lance who didn't have a great deal of heat, but one way you can do that is you jump start it a little bit and, uh, and rock and roll. So that's what they're doing here. And of course, uh, the great one has a guy, a real good guy that you can work with. Who's that referee? Is that Brian Hebner? Do the WCW guys wear a different shirt. I guess yep. they do. I'm That's looking right. at it now.
0: Yep. Yeah. The WCW guys are going to wear a putt-
1: Ooh, a putt- nice kick by Lance. Well, that may be the most, then the, the super kick like moves like Sean's finish, sweet chin music. Uh, it, that really was in vogue. A lot of guys started picking it up. Now, Lance going for the cover rock kicks out about a long one. But I think one of the things that's more ex- too exposed today, everybody does these kicks. And so I often wonder if somebody catches you on the button on the chin, some guys beat you with it and some guys don't even get a false finish out of it. I wonder where that, I think that disparity is a creative turnoff. Getting kicked in the fucking face ought to have a, you ought to have, ought to have an impact. I don't care if you're who you are. So, uh, I think that might be overplayed a little bit.
0: Doesn't it make sense that in this era, since Shawn Michaels is not an active in-ring competitor, it it doesn't have to, to be a finish. Maybe if Shawn were still active here, I don't know that you'd be seeing super kicks flying around because you'd want to protect the finish. But since no one uses it necessarily as a finisher now, it's just become or a signature finish like the Sweet Chin music. It's just become a transition move. Not all that different than Petey Williams old Canadian destroyer that flip over pile driver that he innovated, gosh, nearly 20 years ago. It used to be the end. Absolutely. Nobody got up from that. And now it's, it's a bit of a transition spot because there, people, fans love to see it. So the guys want to show it off as often as they can. And, and I'm sure the old school and you takes issue with that. If it was once a finish, it's, it'd still be a finish.
1: Yeah. The DDT has been bastardized all to hell, right? Uh, it's a tra- like a transition spot. Sometimes you get a false finish out of it. What pisses me off more than anything is you see an established finish and a, a guy will use it and he, but he won't even go for the cover because that's not his finish, mm. you know, it just, that's, irrel- that's just illogical to me. So, uh, Oh, Lance and, and rock are having a silky smooth match, as You could ask for there's a DDT, but he goes for the cover. Does the rock didn't get a good, good, a good execution of the cover, but he went for the cover. And then Storm was able to kick out. Lance Storm is—I'd love to see Lance Storm doing something in AEW. I think he's—he's he's a good citizen. He's a good professional. Uh, Lance is a good man, and I think he could really help a lot of our uh, talents. As rock, the rock bottom just got nailed. And do you kick out of the rock bottom? Nope. Do you move your shoulders at two and a half, three and a half? Nope. Let's uh, so
0: let's talk about. It one. was
1: good. Good match. Good I like that match. I'm sure sure Meltzer didn't like it, but I thought it was a good match.
0: Well, how did you guess? Rock pinned storm with a rock bottom in three minutes and nine seconds. I actually wrote that rock was going to show what a dick Nash was by making storm before beating him. He just showed what a dickhead I was for thinking that for a second. Total eighties enhancement match where you had a jobber with moderate credibility, losing quickly to a star. Rock gave him very little pinned him clean. And then they made a fool of him. The whole thing was built up for Minnie Booker to get his revenge and give storm a people's elbow, which meant storm had to sell the rock bottom for what seemed like an hour. He tripped on storm on purpose, which meant storm had to lay there one more second by Minnie Booker as he delivered the worst people's elbow in history. I know didn't storm get a great rub by getting squashed by rock and a little person. Yeah. Just like he got the great rub when Nash destroyed him and he was never the same in WCW. I've seen some of the most unathletic people in the world on indie shows not screw up that people's elbow. So Meltzer's pretty rough here, but uh, it is a, a, I don't know, less than desired outing for Lance Storm. You would think. I mean, this is a very talented, very capable guy, and maybe not getting his just due here.
1: Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, you know, I can see that. I, I, there's a good argument to be made for that. I can say conclusively that it didn't seem like Meltzer getting laid that week. Cause he's cranky. <laughs> God Almighty! Yeah, this is uh, hideous. The, the little fella, the little person, and the people's elbow and all that. Just in the name of entertainment. Did in, well. It didn't entertain me. Goddamn it. Okay. Well, good. Take it. You know, sit down. Be calm. Have a glass of water. So, but they got to see the great one in the crossover, and whether it was a artistic success. From the educated eyes of the wrestling journalists, ladies and gentlemen, the crowd was on their feet more often than not. And they were on their feet at the finish. It means the finish got over. And secondly, uh, I'm assuming if we knew the quarter hour ratings for this, uh, segment that we would be very pleased.
0: Overall, the show got a 5.2, which is the same rating. It got the week before on August 13th. Uh, but the week after this, well, the ratings start to slide. They go to a 4.8 on September, on August 27th, a 4.6 on September 3rd. By September 24th, they're down to a 4.5. By October 1st, it's a 4.4. By October 15th, it's a 4.1. The following week on the 22nd, it's a 3.9. Uh, it, the, the downward spiral is beginning. I mean, it, we definitely had a peak here in the fives, but... It won't take long, and man, we're we're sliding.
1: The angle, which was misplayed, uh, started started uh you know uh hurting us. People they lost interest, and so the angle of the invasion angle was mishandled, and it didn't have everything to do with well, you didn't if you had Hall and Nash and Hogan and. Go and uh, Goldberg and Sting and what uh, what what an Einstein you are if you believe that. Of course you would have done better. They weren't available. They were not available. So consequently, uh, you know, w- we we did the best with what we had. But with what we had, we misplayed. So it was just in uh, having all the the WCW guys had no heat. They had no winning streaks. They had no momentum. So it was the shits
0: we should mention. We just saw a segment here where Perry Saturn, it was a recap package, but Perry Saturn, once upon a time was confronted by Terry Runnels to say, listen, you got to choose. Is it me or the mop? And she had Moppy in her right hand. Saturn grabs the mop and says, I've made my decision and stomps off. And you incredulously say, I can't believe he's picked this mop over the beautiful Terry. And then of course he wins a match, looks in the corner. Someone has taken Moppy. Now he's uh, doing a little search and rescue party to find the mop, including getting Moppy put onto a milk carton. This is Brian Growitz's favorite type of comedy. Is it not?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a uh, it, trying to get Perry Saturn on television in a way that his character could be embellished it was simple. It was, that's what it was simple as that.
0: What do you think of these, uh, shades that Christian's sporting here.
1: Well, we're looking at them. I guess it (laughs) worked.
0: I wonder, are these in your closet somewhere? Do you have a pair of these?
1: Conrad, I have nothing in my closet. I came out of the closet a long time ago without my sunglasses. Kings 2002 NBA champs. Well, that didn't quite work out for you.
0: No, it did not. Uh, next up here, we're going to have Matt Hardy and Christian. Uh, the European title is going to be on the line. Uh, this is good stuff. You know, we're trying to transition a little bit from these guys as great tag team specialists. to now we're going to try them as single stars. And there you see Matt Hardy lead a behind him. He is your European champion. Of course, we know edge is the intercontinental champion. So Christian is out here to try to claim the European title for their team. It's it's super fun to look back and see Matt Hardy 19 years ago and know that he's still tearing it up with you guys on AEW.
1: Yeah, he's living proof that Bruce Dern had children. Uh, Matt's uh, I'd like to see Matt be more utilized in AEW. I think uh, I think those days are coming. But uh, here's the old jump start again, the second one we've seen tonight. Uh, somebody should have been looking, paying attention, but nonetheless, uh, here we go. And, and these guys, you know, uh, you got a, Jimmy Corderas as a referee. You got a, two Canadians from Ontario in there. So these guys had good chemistry. They knew what they did well. That was a faster pace wrestling. This is not as fast pace as in some of the stuff we see today, where guys do spot after spot after spot and don't let the audience, rec- uh, r- r- you know, uh, pr- process it to recognize and feel what they just saw. Because boom, 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 it's boom, boom, boom. So which one, which boom do you pop on? Right. So that's an issue. And when you try to tell some of these young cats that, they look at you incredulously, like, "What is he talking about? What do well, he want us to do? Wear wool tights? Yeah, asshole. Wear wool tights. Why don't you do that? You know, Come on."
0: I think your your old analogy though about stand up comedy that maybe makes the most sense, where you're saying, "Hey, if you tell a joke, you got to have a second to let the audience take a breath." And process, laugh, joke and laugh, laugh,
1: you're not tell a joke, Conrad to elicit a laugh. So tell your fucking joke and let the audience process what you just said. And hopefully if you're going to, they're going to laugh at you, laugh with you, laugh at the, at the material, but you can't go joke, joke, joke. And you know, you gotta let things breathe where they can process it. Guys are afraid to let things breathe in today's world. Cause they're, they want to get their flip in. And when the flips are brand new and a lot, a lot, of guys are innovating new things, new procedures of, of high risk stuff over the top, then it, it was extremely exciting, but now that everybody does it in preliminary matches and, and throughout the show in some shape, form or fashion, uh, that then it's not new anymore. It doesn't have the, it's, the novelty of it has worn off to, for a lot of people. And especially I got to believe. That many of our fans that watch a ton of wrestling are especially turned off by it because it has become predictable.
0: Melzer would write of this match for watching Matt Hardy beats Christian with a twist of fate to keep the European title in two minutes and 38 seconds. Too short, but a decent, but at least decent storyline is that edge is basking in all kinds of success and Christian keeps screwing up while trying to prove himself. I think they need to bring in a third brother. So Christian can play middle sister from the movie. They got this from when edge is sleeping, Christian is a nightmare. Christian in a nightmare can cut off edges hair. Uh, you know, this is, I guess a decent enough storyline, but it is a little bit like, uh, I don't know, art mirroring life because you guys are going to push edge in a major way. we know in a few years, he's going to become world champion many times over and Christian, in order to get a fair shake, decides, you know what? Let me just try something else. Goes to TNA, becomes the T or the NWA world champion, comes back. And then he has some, some single success here. And there you see uh, a bit of a reminder of what happened last night for the world title. It was Kurt Angle. And of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's representing the Alliance. Kurt Angle's representing the WWF and the world title was on the line. Meltzer gave that match four and a half stars, by the way. It was one of the highest-rated matches of the year in two thousand one, and that's really not a surprise when you consider who's in there. Uh, Austin was certainly capable of having great matches; he just needed a great opponent. And I don't know that anybody could have a better opponent than Kurt Angle.
1: No, he was Kurt was great in all areas. Got a little color there. Kurt's bleeding. Austin with the Stone Cold Stunner, a definitive finisher. Uh, you know the other thing about talking about those finishes. Why would anybody disrespect Steve Austin by using a cutter or the or a, a version of the Stone Cold Stunner and 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 having somebody kick out of it? You can so what they'll say is they're stealing material as we're watching these highlights, and Mike Kyoto gets a uh, gets a stunner. There's the Angle Slam, and and Timmy White's down, and here comes the WCW referee, and Nick Patrick is going to do the old ref screw or whatever. <clears throat> but my point is you just wouldn't disrespect a guy by shitting on his finish. So the guys will say, well, but I didn't win because I don't do it as good as he does. That's a sucky little, uh, reason it's really weak. It tells me that your nuts would easily fit into a thimble. That's what it's telling me. So Kurt angle now gets the ankle lock, bloody Kurt angle on Nick Patrick, who's as Ernie Ladd would say, tap it like a drunk man. He's tapping like a drunk man. There's Booker T all dejected walking in.
0: Well, cause he thinks people are laughing at him and he's asking, Hey, what's so funny. And they're saying nothing's funny, but he knows that the rock has been out here, clowning him all day. And as he hears laughter, he gets madder and madder and confronts everyone backstage here. This is a nice little segment. It's a nice continuation of the story that they're telling with the rock trying to clown Booker and everybody.
1: Booker had great uh, skills in every area of the pro wrestling presentation, especially, uh, a uh, verbal great communicator. So now there's Michael Cole. He's got sideburns now a goatee and highlights Conrad. That is the perfect fucking look for you. I'm telling you, I've, there's, m- I, there's money there somewhere.
0: I need to see you on <laughs> dynamite with Tony Schiavone and frosted tips.
1: Yeah. Well, you would never know it because I'm not going to take my hat off. (laughs) (laughs) This stalker angle, uh, sucked. Oh, if you think it was, it was so ill conceived. It was not realistic. You know, it's art imitating life bullshit. It's just sucked. It never got over.
0: Yeah. Diamond Dallas pages idea. when the way he wanted to debut here in the company was to work with the rock. He called himself the people's champ of WCW. He wanted to work with the people's champ of the WWF. Instead, he got the undertaker and he wasn't happy about it, which to me is like, well, tomato, tomato, undertaker rock. They're both top guys. Uh, And then he really didn't like the, the stalker angle. And I think he even said, you know, everybody knows my wife. Why would I stalk someone else? Like, uh, I'm married to Kimberly, but that's the creative that was handed down. He did his best and his reward is tonight. He's going to wrestle the undertaker's wife. Yep. That's a real thing. He's going to wrestle well, Sarah, the undertaker's wife here on raw.
1: It's hideous. How do you justify any of that shit? I can't, I can't make it good by some, uh, old story or some, you know, colloquialisms. It was a shit, so my chair's squeaking again. God damn, I can't just keep <laughs> WD-40-ing this motherfucker every week. I'm tired of it.
0: Oh, here's a, here's a Taz promo. You want to track it for us, Jim?
1: Yeah. I the old Taz back. It's because of
2: Austin's tough love that really smartened me up. Austin showed me leadership by example, and I was damn proud to be that example.
1: Thank you, Stone Cold. Thank you for making me tougher than I already was. There, there you go. go.
0: Now, uh, man, I got to tell you, this is an
1: underrated duo. Let's listen, listen to this one.
0: Steve Regal and to Jerry. Let me track it on my side, Jim.
2: How'd you want? You saw what happened, man. The whole world saw it. The Rock stole something from me, the WCW title. And I want a rematch that tonight. That Tajiri's a handsome that, man. Tonight! See not you too late, sunshine. The Rock's already successfully defended his WCW Championship against Lance Storm. What the hell are you talking about, in man? In fact, uh, your quest for the WCW Championship has come up a little short. <laughs> Yo, know, man. I want some masses. Ever since I got here today, people been laughing and snickering. I want to know what the hell is going on right now. You mean you don't know? No, I don't know. <laughs> Well, well, the rock came to the ring, and he had this little fellow with him. He looked just like you, and- What? He had these little bow legs, he looked like a boomerang. And he couldn't stopped a pig running down a back alley. You think that's alley. funny, he, don't you? He was that. dancing around, was <laughs> Yo, man, what <laughs> the <laughs> hell are you laughing at, huh? You think that's funny? You just this, the Booker Man. Booker Man don't like that. And you know what? I'm so mad right now, I'm so frustrated, I'm gonna take it out on somebody. And guess what, you're gonna be that somebody. Tonight, I want you in a match, sucker. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what the hell? You know what? <laughs> I ain't going to even put my gear on for this. Your ass belonged to me.
0: So there you go. It looks like we've got a match between Tajiri and Booker T. And I loved that Tajiri had, like, tear-away pants and took his shirt off. And boom, the gear's underneath. He's ready to go. What a great segment.
1: <laughs> yeah, good segment. I'd love that. Uh interaction there, three really talented guys and uh, to Jerry with his facial expressions, uh, even though he didn't speak great English was a good communicator, great body English, facial expressions, which underscores how important they are to the overall success of any pro wrestling presentation, body English, facial expressions. So now Booker T was marching to the ring in his street clothes. Same thing he wore when he walked into the building, all angry and thinking everybody was laughing at him and how great was William Regal. Oh my! my he, we oh never my had God. an assignment for William Regal that that son of a gun didn't uh, take it to the house. Absolutely amazing. i I got a lot of time for him, and you know, I, I was really in his corner, still am. But you know, he—he he, uh, we had to really uh, go to the to the wall with Vince to get Regal uh, an opportunity to stay there, because of some drugs and alcohol abuse. But we helped him. We didn't turn our back on him, and uh, I think that was. Why well, he's such a great hand today? He's one of the most. He may be the most valuable player in NXT. Let me ask. He's, you. he's recruiting a lot of. Ta- he's he's out there looking at a lot of any talents. He goes to matches and look when he could travel. Right. So I, I, I have great respect for William Regal Darren Matthews.
0: Let me ask. We uh, we just saw this great segment that me and you both really really loved with Regal and Jerry. But I am curious you know, especially with the way Booker T has been positioned here with the little person and and everybody's laughing at him, there is an old saying, and I don't know where you land on this, but they say in wrestling, some say funny don't draw money. And it feels like there is a divide of, we need to have entertaining TV and we, and we want to win quarter hours and we don't want people to change the channel. So, uh, people like to laugh. Let's have some comedy characters and some comedy, uh, segments and some of those are real hits. Like we just both really enjoyed that segment. However, I think there is a theory amongst old timers. And I don't know where you land on this, that perhaps funny don't draw money. So this is going to hurt a potential top draw talent like Booker T and his ability to be a box office attraction and sell tickets and merchandise. Where do you land on that? Is that too old school? Is there, is there a happy medium? What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm not, it's it's too old school. Uh, entertainment is entertainment, entertainment comes in many forms. I'm entertained by what we're seeing right now with the jury. Those amazing kicks to the ribs and the calves. And I mean, I mean, I, that's entertaining to me, but I was also entertained by what we just saw in that, in that pre-tape. So I would say just for my money that, uh, entertainment can set up matches, but at the end of the day and set them up well, but at the end of the day, Conrad, it's what you do. Bell to bell. This this, where your money's going to be made. So sometimes the entertainment, the comedy, or as Pat Patterson would say, the ha-ha, uh, would get you to the, would, would lead the horse to water. But the matches and the action and the drama is what made him drink. If that makes any sense to you. There's yeah. a good shot of Paul Heyman. Good old J.R. Where my slimming blacks? Black pants, just in case, you know, as, as Tommy Richards said to Bruce, Bruce, you got to pay pay. That's a, that's a terrible feeling to sit out there. I don't know how those guys do it. Well, I guess they do it now because they pre tape stuff on, on raw, but man, to sit out there for a three hour pay-per-view live, live in a tissue bladder.
0: <laughs> By the way, this match is going to be a very quick DQ when he's about to uh, shove the referee, Charles Robinson,
1: um, little Nate. Yep. Even to the hair color and the hairstyle, little Nate.
0: You know, if you wanted to be critical of the way they're positioned, they being The Rock and and Booker T. The Rock comes out, clowns Booker T, does a long segment with the little person, uh sets up the match with Lance Storm, does an almost 80 style enhancement match, squashes him, lets the little person get the heat on him. And meanwhile, Booker T's out here working in dress clothes with a very talented performer to Jerry, but he doesn't go over clean and get the same sort of treatment. It's a DQ finish. I mean, I understand that there are conspiracy theorists in wrestling, but I think a lot of people would probably agree, man, the WCW guys were just not booked to be quote unquote equals with the WWF. Is that a fair criticism or are they getting too far
1: down the rabbit hole? That's exactly what I mentioned earlier. They had no momentum. Nobody was on a big winning streak. There were no, there were not major wins on their side, and and right here, you know, it's almost as if Booker, to be that that true heel, uh, he knew he was going to get disqualified, but he didn't give a shit. And so little Nate rings for the bell. The bell sounds, and now we got a disqualification. Did Jerry's going to win it? As you said, but uh, the the aside from this match and the booking, I had no issue with this finish because Booker left him some heat that's what he was seeking to, seeking. When he, when he came out there, he did all this stuff post-match that big, that ax kick everything. Uh, so it didn't really bother me, but overall the, it, the guys in WC that were playing the roles of the guys from WCW, who were obviously at, actually in, under contract to WWE, cause I signed them. Uh, they were, uh, you know, it just, they didn't, they had no momentum. And I see that a lot in wrestling today. This guy wins, and this guy wins. And I've always, often, well, we want to placate, we we'll ta- want we'll to keep the talent happy. Well, here's what I say: fuck the talent. Okay, how's that? That'll make a headline. Jr. says, "Fuck the talent." How can he say that? He's a lifer, because you have to do what's best for the overall story, and the company that's paying the tab. And if the talent can't understand that concept. And only then would I say, fuck the talent, grow up. You're playing a fictional character. You're cast this way. Uh, sorry, Mr. Spielberg. I can't say that. I know this is a box office hit, but I can't say that it would not be what my character would do.
0: This is our third segment here. I'm going to track this. It's undertaker talking to Sarah. I
2: want to do this. And then I want to see you kick his ass. Let's go.
0: He wanted to confirm that she really wanted to do this. And he says, kick his ass. So that's, what's going to happen. DDP is going to wrestle the undertaker's wife. This is real life, ladies and gentlemen. And Meltzer had a lot to say about it. He says, Sarah beat DDP in five seconds. Basically the undertaker beat the hell out of DDP and choke slammed him on the floor before the bell threw him in and Sarah pinned him. Some people who make decisions in the WWF really need to think about this. And this is something nobody wants to acknowledge. It takes two sides to screw up a match and it takes two sides to screw up a pushed angle that doesn't work. Whenever the undertaker has a bad match, which now is every house show and most TVs, it's always said that it's his opponent that doesn't know how to work. Never mind that DDP had great matches in WCW with all sorts of guys, some of whom were green and some of whom weren't very good. And DDP in recent weeks has had very good TV matches with Booker and Jericho. Suddenly now, after years of good matches, he's been quote unquote, exposed as a guy who can't work. Awesome was a style conflict and I know his limitations, but he's also proven to have an upside when handled right. And he's been buried because he too, quote unquote, can't work. I can make as much fun of DDP as anyone, but when he deserves it and which at times he does, but this was just vindictive BS. He's getting a bad rap by insiders who have pretended for years that good matches never happened. And as long as it didn't take place in the WWF, well, they're just having fun at his expense. He is a charismatic character and he deserved to be pushed as much as he was in WCW, but his WWF programs aren't getting over. But what about the guy they're working with? What about the guy who was one of the only people in the company who had a bad match with Kurt angle? What about the guy who has had only matches with triple H and Austin that have been good? But bad with everyone else. What about the guy who's almost impossible to work with because he never sells unless it's against Austin and Triple H? What about the guy who never bumps? These guys who take five hundred bumps in a row after five minutes of this crowd get bored because they can't work. And the idea here is, Meltzer says, "Hey, you don't think DDP's talented? Fuck you. The Undertaker sucks." That's the gist. And I don't know that I really understand the the venom here towards the Undertaker. But I do think he's onto something that DDP did come into this company with a great string of matches from WCW. But once he's programmed with the undertaker, it feels like he never really recovers. Do you think the undertaker sandbagged DDP? Was it a styles clash? What do you make of what Meltzer wrote here about this situation?
1: I think it had very little to do with the undertaker, quite frankly, Conrad. And and the other other thing I would say is that, you know, uh, my good friend, Dave Meltzer needs to understand what the word succinct means. As do I, more often than not. Sound bites, brother. Uh, so, in, in any event, uh, that was a long dissertation. Yeah. Uh, there was, unfortunately, for DDP, there were a lot of people in higher management, namely Vince, that did not have the confidence in uh, DDP's work, and that a lot of folks did. You notice that T-shirt Undertaker's wearing. That came from that call I made with him and Jeff Hardy. I think climb the ladder kid, make yourself famous, but this is just awkward. It's just a, uh, I felt badly for the undertaker here, quite frankly, you know, he, this is an idea that again, those wrestling romances, trying to keep everybody in the family happy. Austin had Deborah Taker had Sarah and the list goes on and on. And sometimes it's better to step up to the boss and suggest something. Than to go home and have to listen to the shit. So here's another thing about this: the, we made sure that uh, Earl Hebner did not see the choke slam on the outside.
0: Yeah, it was a little pathetic attempt, but it, and, he didn't and it, see
1: it. it. It took too long. Took too long.
0: In fairness, so, though, I mean we're killing DDP, fucking dead as shit here, are we not? One choke slam on the floor on the outside, which clearly is a devastating maneuver. But the undertaker's wife, pins CDP, my goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, I can't justify it. There's no justification to it. You know, it's just, and,
0: and here's the thing. I, I know hmm. it's easy to, to criticize this and, and Lord knows we're doing our share of it right now, but I can't help, but think, Hey, would, would they ask Steve Austin to do this Would that? Would they have the rock do this? And you could say very quickly, well, DDP isn't Austin or rock. Well, he never will be. If you have the undertaker's wife beat him. Hmm. And here yeah. you see the, uh, the parade here it's stone cold, Steve Austin appreciation night. Debra's made a bunch of cookies. Stephanie has a whiff and here you see the parade of the Alliance, the Alliance locker room empties out and they're all wearing Austin shirts. We've got a big celebration coming up and this is a really long segment.
1: Well, it, everything is built to the, uh, to the entrance of stone Cold. Absolutely the pop, the, the pop. That's what this whole thing is designed to get him, uh, you know, back on the TV in a big way. Of course, here comes Paul Heyman looking at Natalie attired. Who the fuck ever told you that pulling your sleeves up your sport coat is a good look.
0: You know, I was just thinking, I don't think I've seen anybody but him and Don Johnson do it.
1: There you go. Who did it first? Uh, that'd, be Don. that'd be Don. Case close, your honor. I rest my case. Well, there they go. Really Old long hair. segment. Yeah. Oh, Hugh Morris.
0: Meltzer would write. Show ended with an Austin tribute and everyone from the Alliance in the ring. The segment had its moments, such as Stephanie singing so ungodly awful that she actually showed the most talent she's maybe ever shown. But this segment went 23 minutes and would have been a lot better with half the time, like they needed to have Helms do the speech about Austin being his hero and giving him a green lantern t-shirt, Deborah and the cookies Stephanie singing was so bad it set up the big pop when Angle showed up to end the singing, and of course there's going to be, uh, well, a, fam- a famous little segment here. You know what's coming. It's Milkamania, boys and girls.
1: Let's hear Heyman here. Maybe I can hear it this time. Yeah. I've not been hearing the playbacks.
2: Appreciation night. Can you hear that, Jim? Now, if you look through history. Alexander the Great, men like Julius Caesar, men like Richard Nixon, men who could lead their men, men who could inspire other men. But there's never been a man. Hey and they're
1: you're giving this big uh,
2: in motivational history, speech here. Since biblical time.
1: Yeah, he's wearing wearing an Austin cap. All oh, this good product placement, huh? Uh,
0: yeah, no doubt.
1: With a 316 brand.
0: And it saves us from the, the wrestling's most famous skull <laughs> Well, I guess now Michael P.S. Hayes has that, right?
1: He, Michael has a very distinctive haircut, <laughs> to, say the, to say the least. I, he would fight. I remember when, uh, God, I, Michael's hair has come up in my life more often than not in, in, in screwy ass ways, you know, and having to take it down from uh, TV in a TV in a sandwich bag. After it was cut off, and there comes old Stone Cold. How's it sound for him? Let's hear how it sounds. Austin getting himself disqualified by frankly, and saving his WWE title from Kurt Angle. Never quit a bloody, battered, and bruised Kurt Angle. Never, ever relented And Austin. So, a great ovation for Austin, much like The Rock got in the first part of the show. It's awful nice when you got a scenario like. You know, the 49ers had back in the day when they had Joe Montana and Steve Young as quarterbacks, two Hall of Fame guys, bing, bing, uh, that were the, were the trigger man for their football team. And so we, we had that here. Very blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. Quite frankly, some people are not happy. Austin was the representing WCW in the Alliance. I, gotta tell I don't you. Ha, I don't know how happy he was with this thing either, because you know all of us knew this thing was misplayed more often than not, say all of us that's an over- that's an exaggeration, folks, but many, many people in the company, including the ta- a lot of the talents, saw that this was a missed opportunity. I think Vince just got tired of it i don't We' never got a reason why we're not going why we're not moving forward with this thing right other than this is what he's going to do.
0: We've got, uh, the big confrontation here or the, not the confrontation, but the, the nice little tribute he he's going to get he being hurricane. My apologies. Shane Helms is about to give a green lantern shirt, uh, to Steve Austin. And this is one of those segments that eh, maybe could have been cut down a little bit, but you got to appreciate with stuff like rock, this is your life. And all those segments that went so long that did so well, they think, Hey, we can recreate some of that magic with this It's sort of the same way. Austin once drove the big beer truck and blasted vents with the beer. Hey, we can recreate that, but do it with milk. And I think it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's retreading the tires a little too soon. Is it too early to recycle those segments in your opinion?
1: No, absolutely not. It's easy now, 20 something years later. Well, they did this and they'd done that before. And, but no, I don't, I didn't think so. And I, and I also got the good old Gregory Hems there to get, to get some TV time, do a little promo. He's a JR's at, uh, he's a JR's bbq.com customer. Uh, he just ordered my, uh, under the black hat book. I personalized for him and he got him some, we got him some barbecue sauce and ketchup and mustard. I've always had a lot of time for Gregory.
0: We see, uh, I guess Heyman here as one of the leaders of the Alliance, the former owner of ECW, he's sort of leading this whole shindig, you know, this, this era, 2001, there's so much going on. We should remind everybody ECW ran their last show in January of this year. WCW ran their last show in March of that year. Heyman shows up once, uh, Lawler is gone and and he's going to be there for WrestleMania 17, just six days after. WCW goes down and on top in, in Austin's home state, Houston, Texas, it's one of the biggest main events ever. Certainly the biggest WrestleMania ever up to that point, rock and Austin. And at the end, unbelievably, Austin turns his back on the Houston crowd and joins Vince McMahon and recaptures the big gold belt over his shoulder there, but now he's a bad guy and the crowd just didn't want it. And I think when you look back and, and, and Austin's even admitted that in hindsight that was a misstep he was never as hot again as he was before and the company sort of suffered the same fate they started to trickle down as we've talked about here maybe the the um, the hurry up offense on the invasion angle was supposed to be the magic bullet that turned business around but it didn't work either do you feel like you know had austin not turned heel you guys would have tried to "Quote unquote, hot shot the invasion angle, or did that start a chain of events that started the downturn in business?"
1: Hmm. I don't know that one had a whole hell of a lot to do with the other. I think Austin's turning heel in in his home state, in his home market, at WrestleMania, was ill-planned. Getting Steve over as a heel was never going to work, and of course, uh, people smarter than me that are millennials now that are listening to us, some of them. And our big, good uh, devotees of the internet and digital stuff might have, well, I could have done it. I could have booked that. You, you, uh, it's just miscasting. That's why all these great directors in Hollywood, John Ford and all these guys, uh, that's why they kept John Wayne as a baby face. That's why when, when a guy started directing Clint Eastwood, he was a character baby face. He had no more. A lot of those, those spaghetti westerns. He was a cold hearted killer, but he was a hero. He was a baby face because he had a cause. So I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer that, uh, the audience was never going to, to accept Steve as a villain. And it, it just, and they didn't by the way. So I, it, it, it knocked into a knee for sure on his momentum.
0: We've got, uh, in the ring right now, we just saw Canyon do a tribute. And now, uh, we've just seen Deborah present him with the cookies.
1: This is he's the- somewhat underwhelmed about the cookies. Cause he knows they're cooking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't really think about that until right here. And we're starting to wind it down here. Uh, overall, what would you give this, this, uh, this rating of this raw, I mean, is this a thumbs up, a thumbs down, a thumbs in the middle?
1: It, it, uh, have thumbs it, in the middle for me. Uh, it had a couple of moments I liked a lot, but there was some, ang- some, some direction that we were taking that uh, I, I have never been and be sold on. So, uh, you know, I, I just, it, it didn't trip off. It didn't check all the boxes for me.
0: Now a little tribute video for Austin here. You see him just delivering stone cold stunners all over the place to Kurt Angle and the referees and oh even one for Lita. I
1: I get uh I I smile in, in a wise ass way when I watch uh stuff on WWE and they've gone back and and edited out all my commentary on a lot of things the sound bites. So uh uh that's a lot of work for what it's for. Who gives a shit? You know, who, who cares? Well, it's a vindictive deal. It's being all, oh, it's just business. See everybody in wrestling, you can justify fucking anything with the with goddamn ribbing on the square. I was only teasing. I didn't really mean it. Horseshit. You want to get away with it. So you're ribbing on the square. So I never had a, uh, I, I just I don't understand that. How do you how do you do Austin some of Austin's great moments and these all these other guys in the most productive area of the area of the company without using the sound bites that accompanied the story. Well, he's at the other guys now. What that tells me is that the recognition of the of AEW's existence is very prominent in that world in WWE. They're not afraid. They're not, we're not going to put them out of business, for God's sakes. I don't even know if it's really a, a war, but I guess it's head to head. So I guess it shapes up to be a war if you choose to make it such.
0: I like the way they've adjusted everybody in the ring. Austin now has his back to the ramp or the entrance way, and uh, everyone is positioned to his right or camera right for us. And he's saying, When I beat the hell out of Kurt Angle last night, I did it for the good of all of us. And look, they noticed that Taz who they showed getting a beating with a belt. Uh, he is not wearing a stone cold, Steve Austin shirt. He's wearing a Taz shirt,
1: brother, brother.
0: I like orange the, brother,
1: the advocate of, uh, Brian cage.
0: And, and we're about to see the big surprise here. Let's track this, uh, and, and see how this is going to wind up here in just a
1: moment.
2: Steve Austin, what? I said
1: I thought we were here to appreciate Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? Take that stupid shirt off. Well, there's 1995 down the take drain. Take the shirt off. What? Terry Taz's shirt. Take the damn shirt off. You damn right it's your bad. Take the stupid shirt off. I want it. The expression on Bradshaw's those guys' face is amazing. And then of course now the interrupt
0: a huge pop for kurt angle and ladies and gentlemen in the background (laughs) there it is the dairy truck is here i just can't believe this is real man here comes the dairy truck to the ring kurt angle doing his thing dairy home delivery look at the crowd going nuts they know what's coming i'm going to track a little bit of this here
1: Milk I think I'm have to use this line somewhere. I was thinking it's the heavy stuff. It's homogenized.
2: Of
1: course, Daisy, I guess you're gets to face first to the milk truck. He gets sacrificed.
0: What do you think of, uh, I mean, hypothetically, when you come up with this idea, who's responsible for going to source this <laughs> hose with milk? Milkomania is running wild, baby. Not milkomania, milkomania, and everybody's taking a bump for the milk. Austin trying to use his belt to shield himself from the milk. What a visual this is! This is heavy on the sports entertainment.
1: My the ladies had to be uh, thoroughly convinced this was a great idea because you'll see here. Look at Deborah; she's trying to hide behind Steve, but she's uh, getting a, a milk shower, milk bath. Kurt angle is so fat, fantastic. He's fabulous here.
0: Yeah, this is one of those moments. That's going to help make Kurt angle, a, a stone cold, stupid superstar. He's going to do the old Austin toast, except not with Miller lights, but with two milk cartons, just <laughs> tremendous stuff. What a visual. This is Kurt angles. night here. Is it night? I know it's supposed to be stone cold appreciation night, but you want to talk about leveling up Kurt angle. He didn't win the world title the night before, but it doesn't matter here. What a moment for Kurt Angle.
1: Yeah. And it also shows you that even with Austin on the, uh, the side of the WCW guys, they still didn't get the momentum. They set the big, the big setup and an angle representing WWF as we go off the air with uh, angle on the, uh, on the milk truck, as you said, toasting those two half gallons of milk. And, uh, but that there were moments on this show that I did really like the last segment was one of them. Could have been done shorter, of course. It could have been done shorter, ladies and gentlemen, without a doubt. Uh, I liked uh, I liked what while it lasted. Uh, the Lance Storm Rock match. I didn't look at it like to, like Meltzer did as a complete, uh, you know, an enhancement match. Plus, but you know, so be it. Uh, but I and I I thought Matt Hardy and Christian had a nice little match. The time limits were always going to downgrade them some to some people because they were too short in their eyes. I, I don't know anymore, Conrad, what's too short and what is too long as far as a time limit on a wrestling match is concerned, or match time. i I like to think that on Wednesday nights on TNT that we do a pretty good job of not overbooking AEW so that the match times, can they'll have enough time to tell a story and let that play out. At least that's my take on it. So, uh, in any event, that's 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 where that was. Uh, I, I I didn't hate the show, but the overall the umbrella that it was under, of uh, the uh, the angle, the invasion angle, was a major disappointment. We we could have got a lot more money out of that. We could have got a lot more. We could we could have given it time if, it had, if we had patience to allow some people to spin out, uh, and, and spin off and become bigger stars. And I felt that in hindsight, not giving any of the uh, Alliance guys any momentum was a mistake. You can't, you can't have success without some momentum and getting somebody on a streak. And, uh, as you saw in this show, including as the illustration I gave you, even Stone Cold was not protected. He was made to look like crazy because of the milk thing. You notice he never went off his feet where everybody else was slipping and sliding and swimming and. And and acting a fool. Uh, so it was a, it was an interesting show. And I, and I, and I, uh, because the uh, the milk thing saved it from my ass, quite frankly, but the overall direction that we were traveling was not something that was very scenic, uh, from my space on the vehicle.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it is such a moment that even when Kurt angle went to the hall of fame, he recreated the milk toast. I mean, this is one of those moments that is, um. One of the more important in, in the history of his entire career, and I'm glad we got to revisit it. We're sort of knee deep in the invasion angle. We're, we're revisiting the Austin turn. It was fun to watch this with you and sort of armchair quarterback it with the benefit of the hindsight. We'll be back next week, and we're so excited to be covering this at SummerSlam 2000. Uh, don't you dare miss it! And also, too, we want to mention that over at AdFreeShows.com, not only do you get these shows early and ad free, but we're going to be watching smoky mountains night of the legends i've got a bunch of research for this but check this card out doug furnace is on the undercard with killer kyle we've got bob orton jr teaming with dick slater and ronnie garvin and the mongolian stomper uh, or i'm sorry bob and dick against garvin and stomper we've got the rock and roll express taking on brian lee and chris candido for the tag titles we've got the thrill seekers who are jericho and lance storm taking on the heavenly bodies which is Bruce's brother, Tom and Jimmy Del Ray. That's a street fight and it is a bloodbath. The dirty white boy is going to be taken on Terry Gordy. That's right. Terry Gordy here for the SMW heavyweight championship. And then how about this? Bob Armstrong road, warrior Hawk and Tracy Smothers on one side taking on bruiser, Bedlam, Dory funk jr. And Terry funk in a coward waves, the uh, flag match. It's a six man tag match. This is going to be good stuff, man. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen this in a long, long time. You can watch it with Jim and myself over at adfreeshows.com. And you can let the good times roll with that barbecue sauce that everybody's talking about on social right now. It's over at jrsbbq.com. While you're there, you can pick up an autographed copy of the brand new book under the black cat That's gotten so much interest from so many places. We can't even talk about it. Right, Jim.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a, it's doing good. It's doing good. We've had some really interesting meetings about uh, how can we uh, enhance our brand and how can we uh, better monetize uh, the book in other forms. So we'll keep the people updated on that as time goes on. But there's some. There looks to be some good news on the horizon. And when I'm more at liberty to t- discuss it, we we will do so. But uh, things are good. If you if you just try to do good, Conrad. You know your intentions are good. Your attitude is good and you plant good. I always believe you grow good. Uh, plant well, grow well. Well, and, and you're I'm going to be sp- eating So well. that's how I look at it.
0: Go eat well too. JRSBBQ.com and get ahead of the curve. Pick up this new book. You can get it autographed and personalized how you like it. You can have him write about slapping your leg or
1: your almighty push. Or <laughs> you leg slapper and sons of bitches.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. We're getting in trouble every week here, but we sure are having fun. Next week, it's SummerSlam 2000 right here on Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game, every day.